morning and welcome to another episode of my podcast. It is March. Can you believe it? I can't believe it's the third month in already. And today we have a good friend of mine who's a returning guest on my podcast. He was so good the last time I had to get him back. <laughs> and we find any excuse to Zoom with each other. So <laughs> I have Jacko, aka Dave, aka David Jackson. Um, Jacko lives in the UK and specifically Nottingham. Don't stalk him. And um, he has an incredible, <laughs> he has an incredible story. And this month's podcast is very close to both of our hearts, and it's something that we've both been through. So we felt that it would be good to podcast about it. We're going to be talking about worry, anxiety, and breath work, and how the three perfectly fit together with regards to getting over worry and get a, getting over anxiety. So I'm going to let Jacko introduce himself. Um, Jacko, when you do, just give us a bit of who you are, you know, your history, which I know, obviously, but, you know, tell my audience, and how you landed up in this breathwork industry now. Take it away. Um, right, quick. Uh, so let's go. I'll try and go quick in the snapshot. So probably... Um, Always been into sport, played, uh, got into lots of different sports as a kid, ended up being okay. Or I, I think I wanted to be a footballer, but um, I wasn't good enough at football. So um, I ended up playing rugby. And um, so I played 13 years of professional rugby, uh, retired in 2013 from a head injury, uh, which took me about a year to get over all of my symptoms for that. I then retrained as a strength and conditioning coach and sort of in that realm of strength and conditioning, worked with Paralympic athletes, worked with um, working with them towards um, the Rio 2016 games. Um, and then more recently, or in 2016, um, Tim Stevenson, my business partner and, and best mate, who we only met after when I had my head injury, actually. He, I, I did my like internship with him um, in terms of becoming an SNC coach. And um, we started the Scorecard Cynics in 2016, which is um, bodyweight training based and um yeah since then the scorecast sense has really opened things up in that we started very like niche on on calisthenics and actually one of the biggest things that helped broaden things out and explore things was um our our, our own podcast we were getting on lots of different guests from lots of different realms of the health and wellness space and um and just speaking to lots of different people about all sorts of things from functional health to breathing to mobility to sleep to all these different experts in these different fields and um it it just made me see that when we're looking at our our performance in terms of if i think of like performance in athletic performance in terms of of sport and i think i put my like my old like professional rugby player hat on it's like we were we would focus on the things that we directly think are going to impact our performance. And we, we forget about some of the wider things. And then when I think about um, just trying to be the, the healthiest, happiest like person I can be and help people to do the same thing. Um, yes, exercise is massively important, but so is everything else that goes around that. And even if you only want to think about being, being better at the exercise that you're doing, we still need to think about not just our diet, our stress management, our sleep and, I started exploring things that are what's going on in the background all the time that mm. um, that potentially has quite a large impact on everything else. Um, and I don't really know what necessarily sparked this for me, but I started about two years ago asking myself the question like, 
am I breathing correctly? I don't know. I think I th- we must have, I think we'd had some people on the podcast talking about breath and it was like, okay, need to breathe with the diaphragm. That was about as far as my understanding was like, I understand mm. I need to breathe with the diaphragm, but it was like, am I? And just asking myself that question and then going, how do I know if I'm doing it right? Um, and just started exploring things, um, things from there. Uh, I went to a workshop with um, Richie Norton, the, mm. the strength temple on Instagram. And he, um, he gave, I guess we like had an introduction into like, he used, he's a yoga teacher as well. And it's like the breath working in with movement. Um, and I said to him after the workshop, I was like, mate, I, I need to, I need to go a bit deeper with this whole breathing thing. I'm, 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 I'm like, it's like you've opened Pandora's box. You've had a little look in yeah. and you're like, I've got to, I've got to, I can't now close it. Like, yeah, I've seen it's more like you've, op- you've opened your diaphragm, never mind Pandora's box. Oh my word. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I opened my diaphragm, but I don't even know whether I opened it or not. And then, so he said, he's, I said, is there any, anything, any reading I can do is like, get the oxygen advantage. That's mm-hmm. a game changer. And when anyone says, you know, people say the word like, oh, game changer for, for something. And that gets used, I think, far too flippantly or easily. Yeah. But when someone you when someone you trust and, and you think that they know what they're talking about says, read this book, it's a game changer. I'm like, okay, I'm reading that book. And that is, and I'm someone that's, um, let's say relatively dyslexic, was never, um, never good at reading as a kid, um, struggled with sort of English and that sort of stuff at school. And um, that is the fastest book I've ever read. I just couldn't yeah. put it down. Um, sure. And that changed, um, you know, it's not, an, it's not an oversight for me to say, and I don't say it lightly, but it has changed, it's changed my life in the, not like dramatic, it's not like a, all of a sudden my life is just completely crazily different. No, it lasts mm. exactly the same. Mm. But how I, how I feel inside, how I deal with the, the stresses and challenges of, of life um, have been massively influenced and improved and still, you know, and we're still exploring this. Um, but I've, yeah, it, it's, it's changed things internally. Absolutely. And for my audience, who are mainly South African, um, you know, this whole breathwork thing in our industry is quite new. And it's, I mean, it's more popular overseas and typical South African, we catch things 10 years later. So just explain from our audience who don't do yoga, because everybody who does yoga understands the importance of breath. So for all my audience out there that don't do yoga, um, explain why learning to breathe correctly is so important for general life, not just sports, but like general life. Um, so like one of the things, uh, just for some people might have heard of, um, even though it's not, maybe breathwork hasn't quite got, you say like people in, um, South Africa maybe haven't come across it so much, but they may have come across Wim Hof. He's relatively, um, the Iceman, as his name, Wim Hof, um, yeah. does, does, he, he uses, uh, breathwork and also cold exposure. So which is the, which is the sea that's like really cold in, um, that's off, the Cape Town, the Cape Town yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be like, get yourself in there. Yeah, um, I've got and, some friends uh, that do it. They do that every week. There's some in the cold sea. Yeah, but listen, so, our, uh, our cold sea is ten degrees. Your cold sea is two degrees. So yeah, a well, we, were, we were, yeah, we was in a, we was in a, a zero um, at the weekend, yeah. but it's beautiful. But one of the interesting things that it does is it really it it, it slows. It, well, not initially at first. At first, you're like, <gasps> and you and you there's that that sort yeah. of like shock, but. It Once slows your you, breathing. Does yeah, slow it breathing slows down. you down. And okay. when you slow your breathing down, it slows your mind down. And every, and your heart rate slows down and like everything slows down. And then so this is why. So let's talk about that specific yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. So, talk about that. 
so then so that's where you've got an environment just it's just a good example you've got an environment that makes you want to like that go ah and like try to like you know you're a bit shocked or whatever because of the cold um and then everything slows down and you slow your breathing down is the first thing it's like the only it just ha happens automatically like mm. you 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 automatically start trying to slow your breathing down because you notice that it's going it, it's going a little bit out of control and your breath then becomes the driver for everything else calming and slowing down mm. um so our our, our breathing is related to our stress response and, and in that cold example you're 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 choosing to go into a stressed environment the cold yeah knowing that there's going to be a response and then knowing that right how i'm going to deal with that response i'm going to i'm going to control my breathing and that's going to help slow things down um slow my heart rate down calm yeah. down but the problem so, with stress in everyday life is like you don't you're not you're not going into uh, that conversation with someone hoping to create an argument that's going to make you feel stressful or that email that comes in that stresses you out because of what's in it you're not expecting that you're not choosing that it comes yeah. on you but we get the same response our breathing rate goes up in our and that's but that's linked to our basically our fight or flight response yeah our sympathetic response people have heard of fight or flight so you'll um your heart rate will go up in response to this fight or flight uh, and it's like a, it's a protective mechanism that's that's within us in the autonomic nervous system to help us deal with like real stresses, which tend to be something you either need to have a physical fight against for safety yeah. to protect you and your family or run away from. And that's talking a bit. That's like going back to like, you know, you like your caveman type of days. Yeah. And whereas we have that still built into us, but the stresses we're getting generally day to day in our life are stuff that don't need us to have this such profound and strong fight or flight response. We don't need our heart rate to go up. We don't need loads of adrenaline to be pushed out. And what mm. that does is then change our breathing rate. So it increases our breathing because we're, we're getting ready to do some like literally physical exercise. Um, we'll go to more mouth breathing um, and upper chest breathing, which, mm. which helps facilitate that faster breath. But we don't actually want that. That then becomes this habitual cycle where breathing in through the mouth um, an upper chest is shallow breathing and it's fast and it, and it encourages us to have that like faster heart rate and it encourages us to um we or that we basically we then get in a we're in a, we're in a physical state to mm. be able to go and like run away or yeah. fight an animal and then all that happens is we we don't get to do anything with that and the, yeah, and the problem sure. we have is that we that may happen many times throughout your day uh, mm -hmm. just but not at like a crazy high level but just a low level and it's this low level like stress that gives that this underlying just little bit of anxiety little bit of low-lying um stress that we never Absolutely. really get out of and so the yes. same way you can control it when you go into like the cold of that example we talked about before we can do the same when we feel this so noticing has am i am i how how am i how am i feeling how am i breathing has has something made me feel a little bit stressed, a little bit anxious, and know that you can control that with your breathing. Going, changing from the mouth to the nose helps to want to slow things down. 
um, you know, your nose provides about 50% more resistance than your mouth because those holes in your nose are smaller, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> the holes in your nose. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, but listen, I've got lots of questions. I'm going to stop yeah. you because you're going ahead Go of my questions. I wanted to ask you, you were talking about the physiological response when you're stressed mm. and you were saying how your sympathetic nervous system is now, you know, sparked. And I wanted yeah. to ask is when you get into a stressful situation like that, so let's say the cold water therapy or an actual threat in a car, you know, you have a car accident or whatever, yeah. is the response that you're going through purely neurological and, and sympathetic nervous system? Or is there a change in your hormones, like your cortisol? Is there such a sudden quick injury? And if there is like a spike in cortisol, a spike in adrenaline, yeah. how does your breath slow those chemicals down if it even does? Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like, um, I mean, I'm not an expert on, on the hormonal responses at all by any stretch, but obviously there is a, um, there, there will definitely be an adrenaline, um, response in that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because it's like, because that then has an impact on our, on our breathing, we can then use the breathing to impact it the other way to, the to other reverse around. it yeah. and you can and you can measure this and you can show this with things like heart rate variability we can talk about that later but you can you can measure it you can literally um heart math is a machine that will measure that so basically if i if if my breathing rate going faster is mm -hmm. linked to my um my adrenaline. sympathetic fight or flight and a release of adrenaline by slowing my breathing down particularly extending our exhales is one of the mm. key ones so if i can slow down my exhale my exhale being longer than my inhale um, then that promotes that relaxation uh, rest digest or parasympathetic response mm. the opposite to our fight or flight and i think in the when you are operating out of that parasympathetic nervous system i think your adrenaline your, and your cortisol naturally reduces as a yeah, result of being in their parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. One thing um, you'll notice, yeah. one thing people can tell whether that, that will help with that. If you if you feel a little bit uh, stressed, a little bit anxious, and you and you go right, I'm gonna, and you might it might be useful to like count it in your head. You like breathe in for two seconds, and then you try and breathe out slowly and in and out through the nose, so it is nice and slow. And we'll talk about why that's yeah. more diaphragmatic and beneficial anyway. Um, <clears throat> But, um, you know, getting away from breathing from the mouth as a starting point helps to just shift that uh, that sense away from the, the the stress state, the sympathetic state. And if I breathe in for two and out for four, breathe in for two and out for four and just extend that exhale. And, and maybe you can increase it to three in, five out. And then eventually four in, six out is a really nice uh, breath rate of, of a 10 second breath, um, which is very much linked to. And then those six seconds on the way out. Um, what you'll what you'll notice if you keep your mouth closed and you're breathing in and out of the nose is you'll feel more relaxed definitely but a, a physical thing that you'll notice is more saliva building up in the mouth and that's mm -hmm. a sign that you have shifted towards that parasympathetic state that rest digest state because literally the saliva building up in the mouth is a sign of that we're getting ready for digestion oh, wow. okay. shifted into relaxation so i'm very big on you know as i said right at the beginning um when I started this was I was asking myself questions, am I doing this right? And anytime we can have a marker to go, right, if you're, if you're doing some nice, slow, relaxed breathing, and then you notice <laughs> you're starting to dribble because there's loads of saliva building up in your mouth, you know, you're doing it right. You know, you've shifted yeah. that tone towards parasympathetic. So two things there. So you've often said um, the nose is for breathing, the mouth is for eating. <laughs> you've often said yeah. that, and it's so true, but and now you've just said that when you keep your mouth closed during breathing, you tap into your parasympathetic nervous system more. You, so you, so you oh, can. Yeah, you, you can. can. Yeah. Not, you're not automatically, but yeah, you can. 
So is it is that all got to do with the restriction in oxygen flow because the nose is smaller, or is there other reasons for that that um, that works with the mouth yeah, closed? So the um the the no the 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 nose the holes in the nose being smaller like technically this is one thing it's a bit a little bit gruesome but if you if you pushed a pee you know, like <laughs> up your nose and went like, like disclaimer it, don't do that anybody listening disclaimer yeah no don't but like as a kid you might have done but you yeah. know that you could um or just the way you know if your like nose is really snotty and you go and like snort it like it it go the the nose is still linked to the throat and you could yeah. push food up your nose and eat through it but it's not efficient. It's not a very no, good way to do it. Let's not. <laughs> your nose is your nose is designed for breathing. Yeah. The same way your mouth is designed for eating. Now we don't. Whereas there's not when you when we look at the, all the 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 design and all of the processes that the nose provides, it is clearly designed for breathing over the mouth. So mm. this the 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 holes being smaller provides more resistance. So that slows the breath down. That's that's good for for a starting point. There's also nitric oxide, which is um, a chemical that interestingly outside of the body is poisonous, but mm. inside the body is a vasodilator, which is just a fancy way to say it, it helps open up uh, blood vessels. It helps open up the airways mm. um, and it helps distribute blood within the lungs more evenly. Um, the l- blood being distributed in the lungs more evenly helps you get more efficient transfer of your oxygen coming in and your carbon dioxide coming out. Absolutely. Um, so it's you get more efficient breathing through, and there's no night you don't harness nitric oxide. There's no nitric oxide in the mouth. It's only in the nasal in the cavities. Nasal cavities yeah. um, and so then, just, and just the final one, mm, one, okay. just one other thing on that is then that the as I was saying, like the stressed sort of breathing patterns are shallow and from the upper chest. Mm. You end up with a lot of tension around your neck and your pecs and everything because and your shoulders because those muscles are lifting the ribcage to try and get air in. Whereas what we want is we want the diaphragm moving downwards to help get the air in and that air to come in through the nose, ideally. And the breathing through the nose is linked to the diaphragm. So when we breathe through the nose, you're not automatically gonna start using your diaphragm, but you're much more likely to use your diaphragm. If you breathe through the mouth, you're much more likely to be doing shallower upper chest breathing. So, so 15 years ago, when I was when I certified as a Pilates instructor, they taught us to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then, when you retaught me how to breathe a little while ago, you know, in the nose, out the nose, I realized for the first time in like 15 years that I was breathing so shallow. I didn't realize it until I was forced to close my mouth. And now that I keep my mouth closed, my whole rib cage has moved so when we started breathing together my rib cage was very stuck and I, you were saying breathe laterally through the ribs and I just could not get that because I had been belly breathing for so many years you know breathe in past your lungs breathe out with the belly but you actually don't breathe in your belly so you just land up distending your stomach out but you don't actually fill your lungs so when you retaught me how to breathe and we worked on laterally expanding the ribs I realized how little my breaths actually were and that wasn't good. You know, I wasn't getting the oxygen in. So how would you link that part? So breathing, you know, how would you, how would you help somebody like me? So let's say there's somebody listening now who really wants to learn how to breathe with their ribs. What could you tell them to do to breathe laterally through the ribs? Yeah. Well, I think there's a really, it's a really great point and a great question because, and it links very, it links into something you said earlier about um, uh, if someone was, often like in in yoga they might say take a deep breath or just generally like you might hear us say like take a deep breath and when someone when we think of taking a deep breath 
for some reason we tend to think of just taking like a big breath mm. and just breathing and that tends that's, to be like <gasps> of yeah. everything moving up and actually that's not utilizing the diaphragm and that's not deep if you think of like <laughs> i heard this uh, patrick mccain from the oxford man says use this in an analogy of deep he said um, if you think of a swimming pool the deep end is where it's furthest from the top Mm. And I really like that. Like we, we, I know what a swimming pool looks like and we know that like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Deep is furthest from the top. So breathing deeply means breathing furthest from the top. So, yeah, from so down, 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 down and out. So, mm. Yeah. When the diaphragm, um, when the diaphragm contracts, that is your inhale and it moves downwards. It's, it's underneath your, your rib cage and it moves downwards towards the pelvis that increases the volume in your lungs. And that's what draws air in because the pressure's uh, lower yeah. in the lungs it's expanded now for the diaphragm to be able to do that and you to get those really good efficient deep depth of breath we have to have the ribs moving effectively and this was something that was a a massive um light bulb moment for me or just like a what like i did not understand or have any appreciation or knowledge of and i'd been I'd been a strength and conditioning coach thinking i knew yeah. how the body worked for like about five years to go um your ribs are supposed to articulate, meaning they're supposed to move. Those, mm. if you um, if you find your breastplate, your sternum, um, and your two lower ribs connect into that, the angle that those make those ribs make on that diagonal um, with your sternum is called the infrasternal angle. When you're when you breathe in, those ribs are supposed to widen. That angle is supposed to open up and widen, and we get this lateral expansion of those ribs. So ribs moving outwards, and as you breathe out and relax. They're supposed to come together so that angle closes off and they go together and down towards the pelvis. They flatten down. Mm. And what that does is that creates um, space for the diaphragm to move back to its resting position. So if your uh, ribs are stuck out, it's you're never going to allow the diaphragm to move back towards its its resting yeah. position. It's always going to be slightly like tight and, and tense. And yeah. you'll, you'll find some discomfort there and you won't be able to then get that nice expansion and uh, contraction back together so the ribs moving are essential to allow the diaphragm to move effectively absolutely and, you know one of the things yeah. people can just put if you can you could do it now where you just find the angle of those ribs just get awareness of where they are you can put your fingers and have a little dig around and notice where your ribs are then just put your hands on the outside of them and as you breathe in through the nose try to push the hands outwards big difference to barely breathing very yeah. big difference yeah yeah and in reality, it's not just lateral expansion. We want to expand in three, your, you know, your trunk is it's a three-dimensional cylinder. We want to expand in all directions. Mm. Um, so there are some stuff where we'd like put a really light resistance band around us and then not only breathe outwards, you can breathe like back behind you as, as well because the resistance band's only very lightly just going to yeah. give you a little bit of that, a little bit of sensory feedback, yeah. That was, um, that breathing into the back was quite a mind shift for me when when you explained it to me because I generally have had a very tight back uh, for many years, mm. so especially my lower back because I've got a dodgy left hip, so it affects my QLs and my mid-back. Yeah. And then when you said to me, breathe into your back, I was like, what? So mm. I tried and it was sore and it was painful and my ribs were stuck and i was like hold on there's problems here so yeah. over the time just doing that you know that lateral breathing of the ribs and breathing into my back i have no back pain none mm. 
I've had back pain for years. I've had my husband massaging my back every week for years. <laughs> Since you taught me how to breathe into my back, I still have a left dodgy hip. I'll always have a left dodgy hip because I injured it. But I don't have that referral back pain anymore mm. because you taught me how to expand my ribs enough that there's mobility in my ribs. My ribs are now mobile. My, yeah. my, my, my lower back is mobile, whereas before it was stiff. Stuff, yeah. stuff, stuff. So just by great. using that breath, I managed yeah. to eradicate my back pain. Well, you also went by your because you're not so when those ribs are moving better, yes, you're going to feel more mobility and you're going to feel more freedom in your spine. We can get a better position of the rib cage and even your shoulders can feel better because your, your shoulder blades are going to sit nicer yeah, on, a, sure. on, a, on a because they have to ride in the rib cage. But you're also then using the diaphragm more efficiently. And when we're using the diaphragm, we're getting that deeper breath, that deeper breath, remember, sort of lower down from the top. That's creating that creates intra abdominal pressure. Mm. So you're then, if you think of where that is, that's down at that lower, down towards that lumbar spine, that lower back area, you're creating that inter-abdominal pressure, creates spinal stability. So you're mobilizing the ribs to help provide some freedom, but then you're also providing stability through the breath, which you're doing every single, every yeah. single, you might be doing, you might be breathing 20 to 25,000 times a day, potentially. So, And you, you know, obviously don't, you, you often don't even think about it if you, if you don't know, you know, you just do it. And that's the beauty and, of it. If you if you you have the chance to think about it, and you have the chance to try and improve it, and if we can improve it a little bit, well, then you're doing it that many times a day. It's why one of those things I was like, what's going on in the background all the time that I can potentially influence? It's, if sure. I can improve something that's happening that often, rather than the if I do three sets of ten of an exercise, that's thirty reps <laughs> in a day. Yeah, for sure. I'm not gonna, whereas I might be doing twenty thousand yeah. reps of this and improving it, for it sure. does have a profound effect. Yeah. So let's let's move into worry and anxiety because I mean last year when I lost my studio, which you knew about, mm. um, uh, my anxiety was through the roof. You know there was a whole bunch of factors that I had to really just to consider. And the first thing I naturally wanted to do, surprisingly, um, was breathe better. And I, I and I think maybe we had discussed breath somewhere along the line, so it was probably sitting in my mind somewhere. But I learned in those anxious months to breathe, and I would sit on my bed. And I would just learn to get a control over my breathing. And that, you know, changed my mindset quite a lot and helped me to deal. So for you with worry, I mean, you know, you have mentioned to me before that you used to be a bit of a, you used to have quite a bit of a worry mindset. Um, how has the breathing helped you with that worry, that, that, that worrying that you used to do? Because you don't really do it anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got, it's not like I don't ever, ever, ever worry at all. You know, I, I, we, we did some sessions um, that you did some, some coaching with me on, on mindset and on purpose, which, which, which really helped as well. Um, the, the breathing has given me, given me a tool that is completely within my control that when I, when I notice that, um, that sort of low level worry or low level anxiety and that feeling that for me probably comes somewhere around. It's almost like just above my diaphragm. It's like in that sort of uh, sternum sort of area, mm. or even if you feel when you feel a sort of, if you're really worried and it's sort of like sick in your stomach type of, of feeling that I'm now aware and note, I'm able to like notice how that makes me feel mm. internally, how that then changes my, um, breathing and then subsequently I I go right so I need to I need to go and I need to do something and I need to um, to change this and 
you know, it will be the breath allows me to do that and you can do it anywhere, but it's really great. It's really nice to go when you notice that go, right, I'm actually going to go and do this outside as well. I'm going to get outside in nature or just, just outside in some, in some fresh air. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to walk and I'm going to change my environment and, um, I'm going to focus on my breathing. And when we focus on our breathing and we try to slow down our breathing, say our heart rate slows down, extending those exhales does get us out of that, uh, that sympathetic, that stressed or worry mm-hmm. state. Um, and it helps to calm the mind because it, rather than the mind worry, like worry for me is often about like something that's going to happen in the future. or It can yeah. be linked to what's going on in the past. Whereas there's a mindfulness element of present moment when you are, um, when you are focused on your breathing For sure. um, yeah and, it, and it's simple with it we're thinking of noticing the air as it's entering the nose noticing that it's colder as it comes in and just noticing as it goes out and just trying to slow slow that thing down trying to For feel sure. your diaphragm moving feel your ribs moving but they're all things that are happening as you are co- in the present moment and takes your mind yeah calms your mind takes your yeah. mind away from the things you were worrying about and um it takes self-awareness you know and i think a lot of people they think they're self-aware but they're actually not because physiologically their body's in a state of stress and anxiety permanently and just by starting with learning to control your breath and becoming self-aware of your breath you know we've just said it when we learned how to breathe better we cleared our mind so we could think better so using your breath as a starting point to increase your self-awareness is a good place to then move into self-awareness of your mindset and when i did that last year with my anxiety i unraveled a whole bunch of anxious thoughts which i didn't even know i had and I needed that breath work in order to calm my body down to get into a state where I could think clearly. So there definitely was, there's definitely a link between breath work, self-awareness, and learning to get out of an anxious, worryful mind, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think the, and you, you, the, as you said, that awareness is the key. It, it, also, it doesn't start with breathing really well and being able to like, being able to actually do it it just starts with what you said there awareness so Mm. just ask yourself the question during the day like or just try to notice where am i breathing from am i breathing from my nose and even as you listen to this now are you breathing through your nose are you breathing through your mouth Mm. how do you feel and then if you were breathing through your mouth if you changed to your nose how how does that feel um how do you feel internally how does it actually just feel in your in your nose um and just noticing like am i am i am i holding tension in my in my shoulders in my neck because i'm lifting the rib cage a lot when i'm breathing and i need to actually try and let that sink down and breathe from lower down breathe from my diaphragm um you know are you are your ribs moving or not when you're breathing like mm. put your hands on there have a feel it i think it'd be really nice to, um i was just making me think of um a really simple thing we can do to uh, to clear the nose for people because we've talked about nasal breathing and some people when i, I just realized then when i said like have an awareness like are you breathing through your nose or not? Some people won't be, and then they'll, and they'll go, right, I'm going to try and breathe from my nose now. And, they'll go, and it'll be like, oh, crack, it just feels all blocked up. Yeah. So the really, really simple way to, to unblock it is a, is a, a nose, there's a, a head nodding drill that we do where it's on a breath hold. So holding the breath is a great way to help actually like decongest the nose. We start to use, remember I mentioned there was nitric oxide in the back of the nasal cavity that helps open up airways. We get to like harness that through a little breath hold a bit. But all we do is we, uh, we're going to nod our head as we hold our breath after a normal exhale. Mm. So you would do a you would do a normal inhale, a normal exhale, pinch the nose, 
and then nod your head 10 times. So I'm going to do it. People can follow along with me. We can, okay. I'll do it. So actually, okay. before, before we do it, just yeah. breathe in through your nose. You do it with me now, Haley. Breathe in through your nose and just notice how blocked or unblocked does it feel. And then and then check one. Often one nostril is different to the other. So check block one nostril. Breathe in through one and draw the other one. And notice, notice whether there's a difference or not. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we go normal breath in for the nose. Normal breath out for the nose. Pinch the nose. And then nod 10 times. One, two, three. Keep your mouth goes full. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. So let go and breathe in through the nose. And you must breathe in when you let go. You mustn't breathe out first. Yeah. Yeah. So the first, you can do that three or four times. I've just done it once and only 10 head nods, which isn't even a lot. It's not a very long breath hold. But that mm. first breath in after after you let go. It feels like I've, uh, I've 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 had some like some mintos or something, you know. Like it, yeah, it feels like sure. you've got that 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 freshness and that open up, and that's that's you utilizing that nitric oxide for to sure. open things up. If you like, you can breathe in now. It feel a little bit clearer. You can check one and check the other, you know. And if you've been breathing, if you haven't been using your nose much for many many years, it's not going to change in one. It's not yeah, going to like, sure. but you should feel a difference now. And then you can do that a few more times. For sure. But just as you then use your nose more and more and more and more and more, whether you're walking, whether you're just sat stationary at your desk or whether you're exercising, you try and use it, it will clear up more and then eventually it will stay clear literally forever and then it's super easy to breathe through your nose. Absolutely. And I think I just want to go back to the worry and the anxiety because I really think it's important for, yeah. my for my audience to get some tools on that. And Breathing is, you know, so I'm worried, I'm anxious, I've received an email, I'm freaking out, you know, there's a chance I might get fired, whatever it is. And, you know, okay, now I know that if I breathe better, I'm going to feel better. So I'm breathing in my nose, out my nose, I'm starting to calm down, I'm starting to feel better. But now the work now has to happen on your mind because it's all fine to breathe properly. But if your mind is a mess, you can breathe as for as long as you like, you, you're not going to overcome that anxiety. So let's talk a little bit about now you've learned to breathe, you've learned to calm everything down. Physiologically, you're in a sympathetic nervous state. Okay, so you calm. What would you say would be the best? Well, let me let's reframe this. What would you say has worked best for you to get out of worrying thoughts? Like, like what kind of thoughts have you replaced your worry thoughts with? What has worked for you to just link that calm mind with that calm breath that you've now worked on? um yeah so getting into that sort of that 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 parasympathetic state as you say by calming things down slowing the breathing down and then thoughts wise i mean that in itself will help thinking about the breathing just help to to calm the mind from like racing so much and then like weirdly for me one thing that gives me um comfort is i uh, sort of like what's the worst case scenario in this mm. example of, of whatever it might be and then um and then sort of being, uh, and then sort of being okay with that, um, yeah. which doesn't, which is not, that's, I don't know whether that is, that's that I find that personally like comforting, but then it doesn't really go very far. Cause you're still potential. You're still, then your thoughts are about the future still. So yeah. like, it's really important for me um, to then bring it back to like right here, right now. So, you know, for right sure. here and now I've been focusing on my breathing and then what in this scenario, in this, whatever is going on like what can i actually do like now mm. and what can i actually do today um that's going to be 
positive either positive in the situation or okay the situation is out of my control i don't have any things on this if my boss wants to fire me i can't do anything other than do a good job i'm trying to do a good job anyway so what can i is this can i go and can i do something that's just for me to make me mm. something that i like something i enjoy um that might be some just really simple it might just be that i it's really nice to go for a five minute walk with my wife and my husband or whatever and okay i'm going to go and choose to do do that activity that's going to mm. make me make me feel better so yours is about bringing you back to the present tense and doing something in the present tense that will calm your mind and keep it more calm and mm. i think for me something that has really worked with anxiety is um so i've done my breathing i've calmed my breath and now my mind is racing and I have to question myself. So I question myself and I start by saying, okay, what were, what were my intentions when I did that job, which now my boss has emailed me about? What were my intentions? Did I intend to act with 100% effort and honesty and yeah. integrity? And if the answer is yes, then I, then I ask myself again, I question myself further and I say, okay, so if I acted with integrity, honesty, um, and, and I did my best, whatever he interpreted that as, I can walk away knowing that I tried my hardest. Yeah. So that gives me comfort in that whatever I did in that situation, I tried my best. And if the answer is no, I didn't try my best, then I have to suffer the consequences of acting out of alignment of what I know mm. is true for myself. So I use a form of questioning and I question my motives and I question my intentions. And yeah, it often right. happens with, with, with relationships, like, I mean, with a, with a husband or wife or whatever, where you have a conversation and the person misinterprets what, misinterprets what you say. So they now reject you or scold you or whatever. And you get this state of anxiety coming up and you have to ask yourself, what were my intentions? What was I trying to get across? Because it's so easy to slip into being their punching bag of their own interpretation and just letting them, you know, give you an onslaught. Whereas if you actually said, okay, what were my intentions? What did I try to say that maybe wasn't heard correctly? Go back to that intention and then calmly through your breath, get your breath right. Speak to that person and say, you know what? You actually misunderstood me there. This is what I was meaning. Um, yeah. But you can't do that if your breathing is out of sync and you're holding your breath. So there's such a link there with getting back to what your intentions were and making sure they were pure and honest. And if they weren't, then you need to suffer the consequences of that yeah yeah so no, that's that. that's really yeah. helped for me that's a great that's no, a great reminder for me actually that it, it, there's a huge amount of comfort in going yeah you know what like i i did my i did my best there and mm. if if that is interpreted differently from someone else or if it's just not good enough because i used to use that in in um in sport all the time when i was playing pro rugby it was like at the end of the my desire at the beginning of the game was always like give you give your best because mm. that's all you can do and like, okay, you can make mistakes, but as long as I'm not, as long as someone doesn't, or I'm not, or someone isn't, isn't questioning my, um, my effort, like, because that's the one thing I'm in control of. Um, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a really nice, I used to use that a lot, mm. but only in sport. And I probably, I probably could need to use, I can use that um in life in life more yeah yeah right. thanks that's been another it's been like a, <laughs> another a golden nugget. <laughs> yeah. and there's two more things i want to talk about before we go the first one i want yeah. to talk about is um so worry and anxiety are based in uncertainty that's that's always the root cause mm. of anxiety and worry is uncertainty and you said it earlier you said i'm generally worrying about the future or the past and i think there's such a there's something for people to really get get into there because there's no certainty in life. 
I mean, take this pandemic, for instance, we had no, you know, we, we, we didn't know it was coming and it's rocked our world. So there's no certainty. And I think a lot of people now are more comfortable with uncertainty, but anxiety is still at an all time high. So people need to learn that there will never be certainty in life. You will always have uncertainty and you need to get that anxiety under control because that anxiety will kill you. It's been linked to stress. It's been linked to uh, uh, autoimmune disorders. It's been linked to dropped immunity. So yeah. we can't actually use the excuse of uncertainty as a good excuse for, oh, I'm anxious because I'm uncertain about the future. We have no certainty about the future. We don't know what is coming. And we have to get a control of that because your certainty needs to be in something other than yourself and it needs to be in something other than the world. Because otherwise, you're just going to land up, you know, running around this anxiety circle forever and ever what would you say to that yeah no i, I agree and um you know the the most challenging times i've ever had in my life was when there's that that real uncertainty like you say like we've got now um but equally when i had my when i had a seizure on the pitch in 2013 from my head injury but i had a bleed on the brain it was like months and months have gone by and i still wasn't any better and the doctors were saying, no, no, you, 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 and that, you know, thank God I've made a full recovery. Um, and what was always said to me was, you know, you should make a full recovery. It's just, it's just a matter of time. We just need to, to wait. And it's like, you know, the weeks turn to months and it's just still going. You're like the uncertainty of like, when am I, when am I going to get better again? Mm. And then you start to ask the question of like, am I ever going to get better again? There was a, there was a time and I need to remind myself this more regularly of, um, you know, there was a time when I didn't think I'd be able to, I couldn't stay awake long enough because mm. I had too much fatigue. Mm. Um, and I couldn't like literally every afternoon, I'm just in bed asleep. Uh, sure. I couldn't look at a TV screen. I couldn't read a book because I, I couldn't focus and concentrate. So there was a point where I was thinking, well, I'm never even going to have a job again because uh, sure. I can't even, it's like, and, so, and then that, so that, and like, but then people go, no, it should. So there was hope because it was like, you should get better, but it was like, but when? Um, it's the same thing with the pandemic it's like it should we should be able to get into control at some point in the vaccine and all but these when? Like, mm. but when and it's like that not that not, not knowing, knowing that uncertainty mm. um and, you, and you're totally right totally you need to right. become you need to become comfortable that, with that uncertainty you need to yeah. you need to make friends with it because it's not going yeah. anywhere it's not going anywhere yeah. for sure yeah because you've still got everything that's going on in your in your life right now so you've still got today the sun will come up and the sun will go down Sure. You're gonna you're gonna breathe and your heart's gonna beat until it doesn't. Sure. <laughs> <We're> yeah. like, <laughs> but do you know what I mean you've got you've got those things in life that are just that are just happening and um For trying sure. to just trying to appreciate those things that we do have, I guess, is probably sure. where happiness comes. For sure. I've completely forgotten what the last thing is that I wanted to talk about. Oh yes, no, I got it. I got it. It came back. It came back. So you and I did some coaching sessions about a month ago, two months ago, and we worked on purpose. And I want to talk about how you cementing your purpose has reduced your worry. Because when you first had your session with me, you weren't like, you know, having a panic attack, but you yeah. were just like, I'm not sure if what I'm doing is what I'm meant to be doing. And I'm a little bit worried that I'm missing my calling and missing my purpose. And, yeah. you know, I need to dig into this. And when we discovered your purpose, which you were already doing, you just didn't realize it was your purpose. How did that change your, your worrying? How did that change? Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely, it definitely changed it. It took, it almost felt like it took pressure off. Mm. Um, Worry is pressure. It's like something sitting yeah. on, your on your shoulder for sure. Yeah. 
and it was less about because it was also then less about me trying to achieve certain things in certain areas of of life yeah um, so i think that that's the biggest thing and then and just yeah and having <laughs> we just talked then about uncertainty mm-hmm. but then just have it but it was actually like having some certainty about actually this is this is what life is this is what life is about yeah um that knowing that my purpose is to do you know what i've discovered and and that's my purpose on life and and you know there's very little worry in that there's Mm. very because you know why you're here you know why you're put on this earth and you know i have i have i was fortunate enough that i've got a i've got a very clear calling on my life a couple of years ago and i know without a shadow of doubt what my purpose is and what my calling is and I, i operate out of that space in in my whole life and I'm so passionate about it because there's so little worry and stress in my life. And, you know, when I was anxious last year, I was out of my purpose. I was, I had stepped out of the calling that, and the vision that I had been given a few years ago. So, you know, it's one thing to, to, to find out why you're here and then operate out of that purpose. But the minute you step out of it, there's all worry and anxiety there because you're out of, you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. You know, yeah. and, and I think I want to just end off with encouraging anybody that if you are riddled with worry and anxiety, you're not living in your purpose and you're not living mm. in what you were put on this earth to do. And you need to discover that. And sometimes it's not a career, you know, um, <laughs> it's not a career. It might just be the type of person that you're meant to be being. That might be your purpose. And it's worthwhile finding what that is because really there is very little worry and anxiety. I mean, there's none. I don't have any worry and anxiety anymore, but you know, with regards to my purpose, because I know, I know I'm here. And if I had to die tomorrow and God said to me, did you do what I asked you to do? And I'd say for sure, for sure. And whenever I didn't do it, then there was worry and anxiety. So, I mean, that would be my closing comments from my side. Anything from yours? Um, You give me, I've got goose pimples. (laughs) <laughs> all over me as you talk, as you say that because it's just so true because it's just the truth it is just yeah. the truth um for sure and yeah no thank you it's a great reminder minus 10 degrees there in the uk eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but at the start when i was talking when i was banging on about nasal breathing i didn't have any goosebumps then <laughs> but what you because what you're saying there is just it's just uh it's another it's another layer it's truth but it's another layer of depth and it's just real and so yeah i just encourage as you just to echo that encourage people to to think about that and and also i can vouch for the fact that um you know if you're if you're thinking oh should i would it be worth touching base with um hayley about purpose 100 percent do because it can mm. yeah it can change everything for sure thank you mr jacko no worries mm-hmm. really enjoyed well, that um are you going to go lie in the snow now for a bit or is there no, um, is there snow no, going? Yeah, it's not actually snowing. I had a cold uh, shower. The shower this morning was very cold. Like, oh, was my horrible. goodness. <laughs> horrible. It wasn't, uh, actually, I didn't enjoy it this morning, but I did it and feel better so, for so it. How, after. How, how cold is the water coming out of your taps? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't measure it. It's not, uh, as Monday cold morning, as the, it's not as cold as the water which you swim in, hey? No, obviously not. Um, I don't know. It feels colder. Does it? The different, the, yeah, because it's... On a, in a shower, the water's always moving. Like mm. when you first get into like the lake, yeah, it's cold, but then you're sat still there, mm. and actually because nothing's moving, yeah, it's you can actually get so bad. Yeah, it was windy the other day when last week when we went, and it was horrific because they just it wasn't like really like only a bit of wind. It just 
and it's not like waves, but just a little bit of like motion of the water hitting yeah. you. Oh, just horrible. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. been doing cold water showers. I, I do them and um yeah, every time I every time I shower and I think of you and I think, oh, this is probably like 10 degrees compared to yours. Well, I Monday I've got into a bit of a routine now, Monday morning to like make me because I feel like I feel don't, it's obviously it's it's a, it's challenging when you like getting in it. You don't really want to do it, but afterwards, mm. like you do feel like amazing, yeah. and it just like helps for the day. So like on a Monday morning, if I don't really like feel like getting up, it's like right, you're gonna have a bath, cold bath, and you're gonna put and I, and I just like take some ice out of the freezer and put ice put ice in it, and then oh, just sit in that for five minutes, okay, and that no, that I wakes must, I haven't got these. that wakes you up in the morning. That wakes you up. <laughs> in the morning. You need to try it. Try it oh, once. One of the things I think in life is like, you know, like you got to try stuff you once. You got to try everything you? once. Yeah. Just not drugs and heroin, please. <laughs> Just not the bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, they don't do Something <laughs> that might be good once. for you to try it once. Yeah, it's all the good things. Oh, Jacko. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate no your time and we'll chat soon. Yes, thank cheers, you. Cheers, cheers.